On this episode of the Flophouse, we discuss Inconceivable. The story of the making of the Princess Bride. You wish. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the flop house. All right, Stuart. <laughs> I don't even know whether that got picked up on microphone because of the way we're saying, but uh, Stuart opened up a can. Yeah, as Dan said that right when I was talking. Now you might think it's a beer, but it's not to Lacroix because we're recording this on a Saturday morning in beautiful San Francisco in Dan's hotel room. Dan had to uh, had to usher out a bevy of babes. Uh, yeah, that's when we right. Walked in. It was just like in RoboCop when the you know, that uh, bitches leave scene, but Dan mm-hmm. was much more. Respectful. Yeah, it's and 2017, dude. He said, "Bitches, could you kindly see yourselves to the exit?" <laughs> okay. And they said, like "You're charmer." <laughs> uh, yeah, if you could see us now, we're all huddled around a tiny hotel room table. We're the huddled masses that the Statue of Liberty was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess a bunch yeah. of guys in a hotel room in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Three mm-hmm. white guys who were born here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but it's great to see you guys in the flesh again after a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I should probably put some clothes on. <clears throat> no, no. I'm loving seeing all this flesh. <laughs> Just this bare expanse of flesh. Mm-hmm. It's every very now and then. Cronenbergian. Every yeah, now I mean, and then, a, one hair. You turn the, the heat way down here, so we, we should probably take all of our clothes off. <laughs> Not just you. Because the so heat we got can, turned way... Oh, so we yeah, can so share we can, body yeah, heat. Body heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrap ourselves up in uh, one of those aluminum foil blankets they sell mm-hmm. outside of marathons. Yeah, it'd be one of those snake balls that were they in the middle of the desert where the snakes all coil together for heat. Is that what they're doing? Mm-hmm. I thought <laughs> so they could like roll around and be faster. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, in the Looney Tunes world, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do we do on this podcast, Dan? Well, what we do is we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Okay. Dan's losing his mind. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, what bad movie did we talk about this time, Dan? Uh, we watched Inconceivable because it's Cagemas and this movie has Nicolas Cage in it, sort of? That's right, guys. It's the happiest time of the year. Cagemas. The time of year when we celebrate our dear messiah, I guess you could call him, Nicolas Cage. Blasphemous. Stars, not for me. I mean, I guess it is for me, too. Uh, Star of such films as... uh, Stolen. The Vampire's Kiss. And... uh, The Rock. Stolen, The Rock. uh, Face Off. Face Mm -hmm. Slash Off. Yeah, Trespass. Red Rock West. uh, Seventh Son. Honeymoon in Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, Xander Lee. uh, (laughs) Yep. And so forth. Captain Corelli's Mandolin. <laughs> I think that's the one Nicolas Cage movie no one has ever seen. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's not just a poster. I just imagine that the whole thing is like, hey, that's a Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And it adds off. You guys have seen my Mandolin? <laughs> it's mine. Captain Corelli. That's a me. I hope that mm-hmm. it opens with, there's a tourist goes to a junk shop in Italy and sees a Mandolin and is like, oh, this is very nice. And the junk shop goes, ah, oh, <laughs> you found a mandolin, and there's a quite a tale that goes on with that instrument. And then he and tells the tourist the story. is like, uh, I'm actually more interested in that mogwai you have in a box over there. <laughs> uh, you don't want to beat him after I'm in that, let me tell you. And Italian the- Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a ripoff movie now called Italian Gremlins, where they go to an Italian junk shop in Little Italy. 
and find this mogwai. Dan, uh, what would the rules be for an Italian gremlin? You have to feed him after midnight because Italian food's mm-hmm. delicious. Yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> the Billy Pelton character would be like, manja, manja. <laughs> Don't spill olive oil on the mogwai. <laughs> oh, now, now we're getting into racist territory, yep. I guess, or I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Italian gremlins, everybody, Photoshop it. Let's see what that would look like. Yeah. Uh, so, so inconceivable. Is that about a gremlin? No, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller about conceiving. So now this is listed as a Nicolas Cage movie, but it's really more of a Gina Gershon movie. Yeah, yep. which I did not have a problem with. No, no, she's great. Knows, she's great. I'm a big fan. Uh, but the weird thing about this movie was it's the kind of the photo negative of Unforgettable. The, the Catherine Heigl Rosario Dawson what? movie we did a few episodes ago. Wait, we watched that movie? Uh, I must have forgotten. Bang, 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 bang. We're all dead now. <laughs> uh, so, whereas Unforgettable was a movie about an, a normal, perfectly nice woman moving into a new family <laughs> and the ex wife becoming a mur- murderous monster. Uh-huh. This is about a perfectly normal family with a nice wife well. where a murderous monster enters in. Okay. So let's set the scene. The movie begins with a number of production company logos, which is, I'm soon learning, there's two ways you can tell a low-budget movie. Yeah. One, a shit ton of production company logos. Uh-huh. If there's a lot of production logos, you're either watching a foreign film that has been picked up for distribution in America, or you're watching a low-budget movie. Or, and this is the other thing, a lot of time filled with helicopter shots which i recently learned are just drone shots you just hire a drone and you rent it out and just have it fly over a location and it looks like you spent a lot of money on helicopter shots and you don't even have to buy the drone you can just rent it just rent it dude just rent it and like do they have a guy who like takes a walk around the drone to make sure that there's no dings and (laughs) dents you have to hire a guy who's kind of like quint from jaws to like to to fly the drone i'll get your helicopter shots oh it's like when uh when my friend got married he uh he got married in like a a semi-traditional indian wedding ceremony in queens and uh part of the ceremony involved my uh my friend riding down the street in jackson heights on a white horse and there's this fucking awesome, like, leathery, uh, carny type fellow who was the horse handler <laughs> who was just standing there like, I don't remember him wearing a shirt underneath that vest. Uh, Surely he must have. It right? was like walking there, like holding the bridle of the horse the whole way down. So my, so my image now is, and I know the friend you're talking about, he's, uh-huh. he is sitting on a white horse dressed in traditional Indian wedding mm-hmm. clothing where... As Danny Trejo leads the horse down the streets of Jackson Heights, <laughs> yeah. wearing just a vest with no shirt underneath. Yep, it was pretty great. And then afterwards, he had to wrestle the bride's father. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he no. did. They did like a fake wrestling on the stairs of the uh, temple. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. I've totally lost the thread of what's happening. We're now. talking about inconceivable. So oh, anyway, okay. Dan, this is one of those many movies. Uh, that takes place in a kind of generic, very rich, upper-middle-class house. Uh, okay. uh, we start there in a... Actually, you know what? We don't end up... In, there's a wealthy house. We start in a generic upper-middle-class home where a woman is comforting a crying baby. She's trying... She's obviously in a hurry. She's trying mm-hmm. to escape before a man comes home. We're led to believe it's her husband. She's too late. He shows up and goes, what are he you doing? He seems angry, he and seems- I'm assuming because she's wearing a very obvious dark-haired wig the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help that she's wearing a wig. She's but- wearing a wig, and she's uh, wearing a baby in a baby Bjorn as if it's like a bulletproof vest. <laughs> he starts strangling her, 
and she stabs him, and the baby's crying the whole time, and she's stabbing him while with a crying baby strapped to her chest, which is hard to do, and he dies, and she goes, what have I done? Cut to Nicolas Cage is jogging. Oh, yeah, he <clears throat> stops by, he walks past his motorcycle parked outside of his palatial mansion, um, and his and wife, it, it hovers on the, 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 the Harley Davidson logo on the motorcycle, and you're like, they paid for this to be the movie. <laughs> and right? It's also yeah. like you're like, can't wait to see Nick Cage chase someone on that chopper on that hog. There, Never happens. <laughs> Harley Davidson's like, we could put our uh, Harley Davidson in the Avengers, or we could do it in Inconceivable. No, I think Inconceivable is going to be the big hit this year. Yeah, that's that's, that's those how, were their two options. Yeah. They were like Marlboro Man. Which of the big movies is going to be is going to be bigger? Avengers or Inconceivable? And Marlboro Man was like Harley Davidson. Put it into the inconceivable <laughs> oh. movie. Nobody's going to want to watch a superhero movie. Really? Because Captain America rides a motorcycle. It's kind of a organic, perfect, like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Don't do that. Wait, he rides a organic motorcycle? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's made out of cable or something. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, cable the superhero who's made out of techno-organic metal. Yeah. <laughs> not it. Not, it's not made out of, like, that, not like that gold mobile fidelity Yeah, you cable. don't think that's why those are expensive when you buy them from a Radio Shack, right? <laughs> right. It's because they're made out of, like, human body parts. Yeah, because you got to grow them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was that Captain America Videodrome crossover. That <laughs> oh, finally. That we've all been wanting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Nicholas Cage and his wife, Gina Gershon, they're both doctors, although she's a stay-at-home mom now who used to be a doctor and misses her career. That motorcycle is there because I assume Nicolas Cage, they had a car for his character to drive, and he said, no, 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 my character rides a motorcycle. I'll just bring mine in. His character, Brian. Uh, yeah, he walks in. <laughs> there's that as if that's a ridiculous There is no world where Nicolas Cage is named Brian. There's also no world, according to this movie, where Nicolas Cage brushes his hair. <laughs> it's like they paid him so little that they're not even will- he's not even willing to brush his hair for the movie. Yeah. He's about to power up and reach his final form, Elliot. <laughs> the man is aging, so I don't want to make fun of him. But Nicolas like, Cage. Nicolas Cage does not look well in this movie, I he don't lo- think. No, and he's very... He's very uh, not in a shot in a very non complimentary way. No, not no, flattering. It's definitely. very unflattering photography for almost everybody in the movie. Like, yeah. Gina Gershon is a beautiful woman, and the movie does not shoot her particularly flattering. No. Right now. But, uh, Faye Dunaway looks great. Faye, actually, Faye Dunaway does look great in this movie, but we'll get to Faye Dunaway. Anyway, they're both doctors. They have a beautiful life with their young daughter, uh-huh. and, uh, they discuss, and every scene with Nicolas Cage, he's discussing, like, you have to assume he's just ad-libbing, so there's a point where he's just talking about Purple Rain for some reason and how it's about mm-hmm. being a dad. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that wasn't written into the script? I don't believe so. The same way, I remember when The Rock came out, Nicolas Cage was like, I brought a lot to the character. Like, it was my idea that he's a big Beatles fan. Uh, like, uh, All right, really informed the character name. Yeah, <laughs> also, like, the biggest man in the world. <laughs> you know, I decided that's going to tell who he is. I gave him this unique thing of liking the only band that everybody in the world likes. Yeah. Uh, Gina Gershon again. She, it's your classic family. Two doctors. One is now stay-at-home mom, Mr. Work. The other is a motorcycle-riding uh, Prince fan. Uh, and at a park, Gina is hanging out with another, with, I guess, her trainer or it's kind of... Trainer best friend. and Who runs a Mommy and Me class. Uh-huh. And the trainer who's... She's like apparently like a wrestler, like a female wrestler in uh, her other... like. I totally buy that. The, the because she does not look like a regular human being. No, at she all. doesn't. Uh, she, her friend, who is a busty fitness trainer, introduces her to Katie, another mom, at the park. And they end up... This, this she looks pretty familiar to. The, she looks pretty similar to the woman in that opening cold no, but open she's scene. Blonde. 
and yeah, she isn't wearing a wig. <laughs> so it can't be the same person. <laughs> it can't be. Because the woman in the opening scene was obviously was we- wearing a wig. She was wearing a shaitol yeah. as an Orthodox <laughs> Jewish woman who did not want her hair to arouse men. And that's why it's such a bad wig because shaitols tend not to be the best wigs. Do you think that's that leads a lot of men to having weird shaitol fetishes? Oh, for sure. <laughs> There's There must be so many Orthodox men who get turned on by or very non-Orthodox men. Or non-Orthodox men who live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or yeah. other other heavily orthodox areas. Uh, this woman, by the way, played by Nikki Whalen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, gonna... who's Nikki Whalen? She was uh, his co-star in uh, Left Behind, right? Was she? Yeah. Oh, was she? According to IMDb. Oh, I remember that character, yeah. I mean, they don't have any scenes together in Left Behind, right? Or maybe they have one or two. No, I thought she was like... the pilot and she's the passenger, right? No, I thought she was the... Isn't or she the is woman... Is she the flight attendant who's having an affair I with? think that's it. Oh, okay. Also, I remember so much more about Left Behind. Also, <laughs> IMDb's also... Uh, also mentioned that the director really wanted her role to be played by Lindsay Lohan. Wow. Uh, but I'm for whatever reason. I couldn't get her. Well, I'm. She's busy what, being th- like a Turkish prostitute, which I guess is what she does now. Wait, what? What? Like, there's rumors that Lindsay Lohan is now like a high priced call girl. Did you, what, do you watch a lot of TMZ? I get this from. Turkish uh, MZ. <laughs> I get this from uh, my coworker, Elliot's former coworker, Lauren Sarver Means, who is plugged into all sorts of. She does know that. Celebrity stuff. gossip. Yeah, she is the only person I know who, who is on top of what the teens are into and has also dog walk stalked Dana Perino from Central <laughs> Park in New York. I think, anyway. I mean, I think I'm guessing what happened was that the director wanted it and the financiers were like, She's unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Paul Schrader how his shooting experience with her went. Now, Paul Schrader, you're a crazy person. And you had trouble working with Lindsay Lohan? Yes, I did. All right. So we'll just set you aside. Uh, anyway, but so she's introduced to her. This chance meetup that I guess is not a chance meetup because the fitness trainer wanted to introduce the two of them. But yeah. it's introduced as if they ran into each other in the park. This turns into a mommy hangout slash play date where the mommies are drinking wine while the kids are, are playing and uh, everybody passes out asleep by the time Nicholas <laughs> Cage a, comes There's a gas on. leak, right? <laughs> That's what it looks like. Now, Some of the most robotic dialogue, too. Like, I like, love does not it. Come to you. <laughs> that trainer's dialogue feels like we've described dialogue like this before, but it feels like it was originally English and then they translated it into Russian, and then they translated <laughs> it back to English, and like she had to read it backwards, and then they just played it forward. It's I mean, crazy. She's essentially a plot device with boobs, so yeah. a lot of her dialogue is just moving things along. But yeah, it's it is it does feel like it was written by someone who English is not even their fourth language. <laughs> oh, it's so good. You look at what Joseph Conrad, where English was, I think his third language, it was capable of with writing in English, beautiful writing. Really getting to the yeah. heart of what it means to be a man in conflict with both the sea and mm-hmm. also with imperialism, but also beholden to imperialism. And you compare that to the script. I guess what I'm saying is the screenplay to Inconceivable does not reach the heights of, <laughs> Joseph, uh, Conrad. of Joseph Conrad's work in Nostromo sure, or sure. Lord Jim. But what are you going to do, you know? Uh, now, let me just say one thing. It seems very unrealistic that two women with kids would suddenly meet at the park and become best friends. This is not unrealistic, as I've learned. The way to get any woman's phone number, and guys, listen to this, okay? Here's the secret. If you want to get the game, the way to get any woman's phone number is to be a mom with a kid, okay. and for that woman also to be a mom with a kid. Well, it's a big commitment, but I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Dan, you need you to transition and get a child. Yeah, Because right. I've seen my wife get the digits of so many random women just because <laughs> they happen to have kids also, and they're looking. everyone's trolling for playdates. Let's just say what it is. 
all moms are pimps for playdates for their kids. Okay. Let's just say it how it is. Let's not mince words. My wife is always like checking out other moms and their kids to see I if it's like proper. I feel like we stumbled into a goddamn son. Dana Carvey bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then church lady walks in. Oh no! As I'd say, that's not right. That's Kevin Meany. Rest in peace. That's not Dana Carvey. Uh, anyway, uh, they Katie just the Katie is the wife uh, is the mother of this other girl that has now become Gina Gershon's best friend in an hour. And uh, as soon as Nicolas Cage goes to bed, Katie's ice blue eyes open. Uh-oh. The next morning. Yeah, What? wait. Were her eyes not blue before? They were not. So she took her colored contacts out? Or no, did she, she has, is she on the fucking spice? She has, she, well, I think she, it's a combination of blue contacts, which we see her putting in later, and she's a spice addict. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and that makes And she sense. can reshape space and time. Hey. I mean, the, the fact is, she might not be an addict. She may just have grown up on Arrakis, and there's so much spice in the atmosphere right. that you become addicted yeah, to it. Yeah, no, I get it. And your eyes turn blue. Product uh, of environment. The next morning, they find that Katie has made breakfast for everybody. She also turns out to be a That's master. why you never see her go to the bathroom, too, because she's always going in the still, in the still suit, suit she's wearing. drinking yeah. it, yeah. Uh, she appears to be a master face painter and a professional house painter, but what she really wants to paint is murals for kids' bedrooms. And by murals, I mean the same fucking mural of the African savanna <laughs> with one big tree in it uh-huh. that we see her paint in several different rooms throughout the course of the film and becomes a clue later on. It's like, lady, if you want to cover your tracks, learn how to paint a second mural. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe she saw it in like a, like a dream quest or something. <laughs> she also hates having her photo taken, which is always a sign of someone with nothing to hide. Now, uh, Nicolas Cage gets a little fun micro speech about mowing lawns. Another, I assume, Cage ad lib as they have one of several big. I could mow a lawn for hours. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great impression. Thanks. I thought you were Sean Connery for a second. Or maybe Robert Shaw. I found the cure for mowing lawns and I lost it. <laughs> And the cure is like you eat a peach. The cure is to plant uh, natural plants that are drought resistant, and you have mostly <coughs> mostly pebbles instead of grass. You never have to mow it. Occasionally, you bring in a gardener to clip it. Which one? Which one's that? Which, uh, is that Nicholas Cage? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. Well, uh, it's me, Jimmy Stewart. I found the cure for cancer, but I lost it. Okay, is that about lawns? I'm broke out here, having lost the cure for cancer. <laughs> anyway. That's me. If you want to invite me to uh, impersonate any of these people at an event, <laughs> please don't. I'm not that good at it. <laughs> I would end up giving you your money back. So this is one of, we see one of several large outdoor family backyard lunches, which are attended by Faye Dunaway, Nicolas Cage's mother, in the movie, not in real life, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Or else his name would be Nicholas Dunaway. Uh, and she, Faye Dunaway gives Katie a compliment on her cooking by saying that Gina, Gershon's character, Angie, cannot cook. Uh-oh. And, but Katie turns it into a compliment for Angie. Oh, but she's so great at everything else. It's You know, this is my what one a, thing. What a beautiful scene. One of the things I like about this scene <laughs> is uh, la- later on, uh, somebody's looking at a, coll- I think Gina Gershon's looking at, like, a collection of family photos, and a shot from this lunch is <laughs> like right one there. of the photos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, who's taking the picture? <laughs> That's the thing I find a weird. drone. The thing I find weird about the scene is like the uh, one thing. Well, the fa- other besides the fact that it seems to be a lunch where no food is being eaten. <laughs> one of the things I find weird about the scene is like later on, almost immediately after this, Faye Dunaway is like, "I don't like that, Katie. Like she's suspicious. There's something weird mm-hmm. about her." And I'm like, <clears throat> "Dude, why were you just like 
complimenting her and throwing shade at Gina Gershon if this is like what your feelings are. Now, here's how it's I'm the gonna... delicate dance of social situations, uh, Dan. Let me explain how mothers in law work. <laughs> okay, they don't like the women who have married their sons because they've taken the place of the main woman in their life. Uh, them. Uh, so what she's doing is she's like, I don't like this woman, but you know who I don't like more? Myself, my daughter-in-law. So okay. I'm going to use this woman as a tool to get at my daughter-in-law. And later, I'll get at this woman. It's a real Game of Thrones type thing. Your en- your ally becomes your enemy yeah, because you've got a larger enemy. But oh, it's, a, it's, it's like game- playdates. You're really turning into <laughs> a real dad humor. It's pretty, pretty, pretty old-fashioned <laughs> over here. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so then the mother in law then Faye Dunaway gets on her broom and flies away. <laughs> oh, man. Classic mother in law bits. No, she tells Nicolas Cage, that woman gives me the willies. And then Katie sees a knife and flashes back to the stabbing we saw earlier in the movie, as if we needed any evidence that this is one and the same person. Yeah. Their faces are identical. Uh-huh. But maybe they but thought the wig. One's wearing a wig. And they have different colored eyes. Oh, yeah. Mm. Katie opens up and tells Gina Gershon that she had an abusive husband. And Gina Gershon opens up and says, they had trouble conceiving and finally had to use a surrogate. Oh, no, they had to use a donor egg, and and she had a lot of bad postpartum depression, and that put her on. And she had a an addiction to medication after that. And you know what? Now they got through it, and everything's okay. And uh, Gina Gershon says, "Hey, I'm pregnant, but Nicolas Cage doesn't know it yet." Uh oh! Looks like they're gonna have two in this family. <laughs> so uh, wait. So we. Okay, so we, we there's a there's a chink in Gina Gershon's armor at this point. Is that she? We know she had actually. Is it that at this point? At some, we learned that she had a past history of drug abuse, okay. and postpartum depression. Mm. That she had trouble conceiving. It was later in life. This is something that affects a lot of women, and what also affects a lot of women. She's at mommy and me class and has the most oblique miscarriage I've ever seen in the history of film. I've missed it so entirely. <laughs> yeah, I missed it too. I think if I was not, this is one of those times where it's literally like if I was not keyed into the fact that miscarriages are very common, often not talked about because there's an yeah. unnecessary, in fact, totally uncalled for amount of shame attached to them, which there yeah. should not be. Yeah, yeah. Something that ha- that affects many, many women and is a natural part of often the con- conception process. But uh, that she just goes, oh, I'm not feeling well. Oh, let me help you. Oh, can someone help? Cut to the next scene. And we're just supposed to know that she's no longer pregnant, oh, that she's okay. lost that she's lost the baby yet. Whatever the early stages. And again, or at early stages in pregnancy, it's very common for this guy. That's not, and that's not TV and movie shorthand yet for for that kind of thing. Not like how if at any point a woman throws up in a movie or TV, you're like, oh, I guess she's pregnant. And if someone coughs and then there's a little bit of blood in the handkerchief, you're like, they're going to be dead soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the way They that, shouldn't have gotten bit by that zombie. <laughs> if you know, if it's, it's TV movie shorthand, but if you go into a magic cave, and you see an armored figure, and you cut the armored figure's head off, uh-huh. and inside the mask is your own face, it means that's your dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just TV movie shorthand. Yeah, classic shorthand, yeah. <laughs> There's all those Hallmark Hall of Fame movies where, where lizard creatures set, are, that are mentoring you send you into magic caves. Yeah, I mean... Actually th- tell you not to go into that magic cave. You think that's lazy, right? You'd be like, oh, that's lazy storytelling, but it's just like such a part of the culture that you just... <laughs> just it's happens. It's just easier. You know what? It's, there's a reason some stereotypes exist, you know? Magic caves, they tell you who your dad is. Uh, anyway, she said she wanted to finally give Nicolas Cage a son. Uh, and Katie says, you know what? 
I'm moving. And Gina Gershon says, no, 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 let us hire you as a live-in nanny. And Faye Dunaway does not like this. This is a decision that is made very quickly. Like They have known her for a week. <laughs> well, but also, like, Katie's like, I'm going to, you know, go on. I have this new job. I'm going to go to Colorado. It's all decided. And they just hector her for, like, a minute. And she's like, you know what? I will stay around. <laughs> Fuck that job. Uh, but why Pay isn't do? even discussed. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but she gets free room and board. Uh-huh. Her daughter now has a live-in best friend. Uh-huh. Uh, they their house seems to live on, be in a national national park. They have so much open air space, and they eat at a picnic table. I mean, two doctors. They are right? two doctors, just like in that cabaret song. Two doctors. Two doctors. Anyway, nosy Faye Dunaway does some more snooping, and there's that scene where she's like. Uh, using the internet, right? And just snooping away. <laughs> yep. yep, she logs on to snoopit.com. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she keeps saying Siri enhance. <laughs> enhance what? Enhance Siri. <laughs> she puts on her VR goggles. <laughs> walks down the hall and opens up a VR filing cabinet. Yeah. Yep. But then, uh, and then virtuosity jumps out <laughs> and gets into the real world. <laughs> That sucks when virtuosity does that. <laughs> yeah. Remember, you ever had those times when you just want to Google somebody, but you have to fight the lawnmore man because he's using <laughs> VR Google? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I have your search results. More info power. Uh, anyway, uh, Nicholas Cage tries putting the moves on Gina Gershon one night, but she's not ready, which is understandable. Yeah. He goes outside to watch Fourth of July fireworks, <clears throat> and who's swimming topless in just her panties? Katie. Bump. Because she's bum, living in there, like they're like uh, they're what they're how they're, they're pool house. Now, I want I have something to say about the scene, which is <laughs> yep, it is totally like it is totally gratuitous toplessness because you think that this is going to pay off later. You, you think, think it's a that, real poison ivy new seduction? Yeah, you think that Nicolas Cage is going to be seduced by this new uh, interloper, and that does not happen at all in the movie. No. Nicolas Cage remains totally faithful to Gina Gershon the entire film. It's kind of like that movie Obsessed that we reviewed mm-hmm. with uh, Idris Elba, Idris yeah. Elba and Beyonce and Ali Larder. Yeah, and you're like, at no point is it ever possible <laughs> that he would be seduced by Ellie Larder. No, yeah. he's married to Beyonce. But like, even with that, there's like no moment where that even could possibly happen. <laughs> but it was inconceivable it that that would happen. But in that movie, it did happen. Here, it's just like. No, uh, it didn't. Yeah, they had like a. They did have a one night stand. One night stand. Right? No, they totally didn't. I, I think did. she like. Did she stayed? She it? like. Yeah, I think she like put the moves on him. He's like, nope. And then she's like, uh-oh, now I'm going to send, like, pictures of my... I don't know. I know. Well, I, it's, it's weird that I don't remember that movie. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is pretty weird, so yeah. Much. Anyway, it, I and I want to say that when I heard the title of this movie was Inconceivable, I was like, that'd be in pretty bad taste if it was about conceiving a child. That's a, entirely what it's about. <laughs> it's a fairly bad taste title. Anyway, uh, so anyway, bump, that seed is planted. Nicolas Cage has seen Katie's boobs. A seed that will never bear fruit. Uh, Gina Jorshan decides to go to, go to work, uh, and Katie walks around the house in classic, imagining her life was my lifestyle, looking at all her clothes and things. But, so she's going back to work, and Katie seems oddly distressed that Gina, her friend is going to be going back to work and mm-hmm. wants somebody to look after her daughter. What's yeah. weird, too, is that immediately Katie is not doing her job looking after the, her daughter or the family's daughter. Mm-hmm. She's just walking around the house by herself. But yeah, she's she does not like she doesn't like the idea that she's instead of being a stay at home mom, Gina Gershon's going to go back to work and have what a stranger watching your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, very old fashioned conservative view of things. Gina Gershon comes home to see Katie having sex with someone. 
We don't see who it is. And yeah. of course, we assume it's Nick Cage. It's he's Nicholas, a super stud. Yeah, it's ama- he's amazing. You think it's good? But, uh, and Faye Dunaway, we learn, is taking the girls to the beach. And that's okay. why they weren't there. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you wrote that down in your fucking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Katie says, Are you are you mad because you caught me in bed with another woman? And Gina Gershon's like, Oh, uh yeah. I guess. Uh I mean, I guess that that changes their friendship a little, maybe. I don't know. It's also makes it loaded. I mean, it's a little weird that I mean it's it's a, here's the boundaries that it's hard to figure out. Katie now lives in their guest house, and she needs to have a life outside of being a nanny. That's true. But if if I had to live in nanny and found that she was bringing someone I'd never met home to have sex with on my property, I would feel a little weird about it. Especially in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, when only dirty people have sex, I, <laughs> no, I guess. But like, what if, what if my child is going to wander in on the nanny having sex with somebody? She was at the beach. You wrote it down in your notes. Well, I mean, they going to come over the beach. You're you're like, it's natural. You That's think, how you were created. How long do you think Faye Denoy can stand up to the harsh sunlight of the beach? She's not <laughs> taking them for a day-long trip. Come on. But Katie's always supposed to go to the other person's apartment? That gets uh, old. <laughs> you're right. You're yeah, right. and they're like right by a pool. So what does that mean? It's natural sex place. <laughs> <laughs> That's a natural habitat for, for Americanus fornicatus <laughs> by wetlands or yeah. pools. <laughs> so they can, what, have a sip of chlorine water afterwards at the water Yeah, they like to douse, I don't know, the yeah. stuff off of the stuff. Now that she says it was a female coworker, Gina Gershon never says, hey, wait a minute, you work as a nanny. Who was your coworker? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and Katie goes, you didn't think that was Brian, did you? And Gina Gershon's like, no, no, of course not. And that night, Gina has sex with her husband, Nicholas Cage. She's both wants to reclaim him because she's worried. And also, uh-huh. maybe she was a little turned on by Katie's freewheeling, casual daytime sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, Grant, that's uh, Grant. Uh, so then Angela, uh, uh, G- Angie and their mutual friend who introduced them, whose name is what, Linda? Oh, this I is that know. fitness Linda, robot we were Lin- talking about? Yeah, I think it is Linda. Linda, maybe, oh, no. Lisa. Oh, no, Linda. Okay, so Linda's by herself jogging down the beach in a bikini top. This happens for a while. Yeah. And then it turns out she and Katie are lovers. She was the one who was in bed with Katie. What? Yeah. And One she, of the only characters introduced to us? And she tells, she tells Katie they're going to try for another kid. They want to use a surrogate. And they ask, they're going to. Guys, guys, me. guys, you're right. It was Linda. Okay, oh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for that fact check. Momentary fact check. Real, you're real welcome. Time. Was, fact check. <laughs> appreciate it. Yep, you're so, welcome, guys. So, uh, so, anyone who's going to put a pants on fire or a Pinocchio award on me, <laughs> don't do it. So, Linda says uh, they, they're going to have another child, but they want to use a surrogate, and they're going to ask me. Katie is instantly envious. Linda goes for a swim in a lake. And then Katie wades into the water in her underwear and just stands there not saying anything. Yeah. Mm, Linda takes this to mean so that she's weird, unhappy about it. So weird, weird scene. And, and Katie goes, that, the egg, the egg donor, that was me. Those babies are mine. I had to steal, and uh, I already had to steal my daughter away from my own surrogate. Uh, and now she's going back to work and I even take care of my baby. And Linda's like, that's fucked up. And so Katie hits her with something really heavy. Yeah, and kills her, and she it's, and drowns. Well, it's her. a it's a dumbbell. Is it? Well, yeah, I yeah, thought it's it was a dumbbell, a dumbbell, but I was like, why did she bring a dumbbell with her? Just because her workout fit, routine? Yeah, it's part of a workout. On the beach? Workout. Yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, noted worker outer, Elliot Galen. <laughs> oh. uh, let me, you know what? I have all these heavy dumbbells. Let me lug them to the beach. I mean, that's part of the workout in and of itself. All right, good And point. I'm pretty you know sure what? during this big reveal speech, because this is like, this is the Yeah, reveal. we don't want to. This is only half a reveal. We don't want to gloss over this. Like, we want to make it very clear what, you, what she's saying We is, don't want to gloss over this the way that Gina, we glossed over Gina Gershon's Gina Gershon's child 
comes from Katie's egg. Yes. So <clears throat> so Katie is the, the birth mother. No. Well, well, not birth mother, but she's, she's the, egg, the donor. egg donor. And so of, she feels like it is actually is her, her child. child. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure during this whole reveal – the the background music is this like soft acoustic guitar stuff, <laughs> which is non diagenic. I'm assuming. I'm no, assuming maybe, there's nobody maybe, sitting on the beach playing barbells. guitar. Maybe they brought a guitar <laughs> player <pan> over. <laughs> and there's a guitar player like, uh, like Just Mel Brooks away. style. <laughs> <laughs> I found this scene genuinely kind of creepy though, because it's just like the way that Katie like kind of wades out and doesn't say anything, and then she like. Kills her lover and like drowns her in the in the no, lake. No, this was like, if the movie had kept up this level, it would have been a really creepy movie. Yeah, it's, that's it's, all I wanted to say about I, that. You can never underestimate the creepiness of someone standing there and looking at you and not saying anything. Yeah, like she's just standing in the water in her underwear, shivering, not saying anything to Linda. And Linda's like, "What are you doing? Like this is freaking me out. Like you're upset with me. Like what's going on?" And it's yeah. very creepy. And I'm I'm remembering the scene of her like sitting there like holding herself in her arms where's the dumbbell <laughs> that's true that is, a, is there like a crab she holding had, it <laughs> she had waited out beforehand and put it in the water just to stow it there in case <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you have to assume that she's got a dumbbell just in the back of her panties I guess <laughs> she pulls it out Bugs Bunny style <laughs> like her butt is a tesseract that holds any number of unlimited objects I mean sometimes I feel that way about my own butt Elliot <laughs> but you do raise a good question. Where where was that dumbbell? Which maybe, makes me believe maybe it was like a floating log or something that she found. But it it just like a shaped dumbbell. exactly like a dumbbell. <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, a million monkeys and a million typewriters. Yeah, I guess the right yeah, it makes sense. So yeah. Could happen. <laughs> she took it from a crab that was working out. <laughs> uh, so Linda's body is discovered the next day by two people just walking along the beach, Law and Order style. Uh, Katie, boating accident, right? That's yeah, what it's, it's ruled officially. A strange boating accident. Uh, and later on, they have a in memoriam card and photo of her on the refrigerator. That is, su- it's such a over makeup like Kim Kardashian type photo, and a very weird choice for an in memoriam card. Very much the kind of photo that would be attached to a bartender's resume that would send me a resume <laughs> when I look for them. Because no, it feels like it's the kind of photo that would be used on the billboard for a strip club. Okay, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a weird choice for an in memoriam. You'd think you'd have something that was a little bit less um, vampy. Yeah, vampy. Let's say it. All right. Uh, anyway, Katie, meanwhile, goes back to nannying mainly by lounging around in the pool. And Faye Dunaway does not like that. Katie, we now learn, has been asked to be the new surrogate. Because I mean, we learn by seeing her pregnant, right? No, no, no. She's Dunaway says, "I don't like that you're using her. As, oh, okay. You're going to use her as the surrogate." Because Katie, at this point, has she's super toned. She, you know, yeah, she's shredded. It, it's got to be either the earliest stage of pregnancy or there's nothing in there because she's just like, yeah. Yeah, there's no. There's nothing. She's yeah, like, not, flat not, as a tortilla not, chip on her, <laughs> on her tummy. Yeah. Uh, and Linda, we learned, was killed in a boating accident. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. they don't always yeah, like. We, le- we learned that. <laughs> yeah. That would be hilarious if that if it, she actually was died in a boating accident. We just learned it in, in passing. <laughs> like, oh, that character, uh, she died in a boating accident. <laughs> Wait, did she? Did they not pay her enough? And she left halfway through filming. Like, what? What happened? Uh, Faye Dunaway says, "Here's what your plan should be: kick her out when the baby's born, because she's going to want to have visitation and custody rights." And they're like, "No way!" And I will say, this conversation is realistically circular and pointless. It okay. comes to no conclusion, and they don't do anything. Uh, then Nicholas Cage and Gina Gershon recap that conversation unnecessarily. <laughs> Cut to four months later. Katie is pregnant, and 
Gina and Angel and uh, Gina Gershon. I keep forgetting her character's name, so I'm just calling her Gina in my notes. Uh-huh. Uh, here's Katie take credit for the two girls to a stranger at the playground. Awkward. Um. Uh. It's very like we it, already. Katie the, is starting the dominoes to show, are starting to fall. Yeah. yeah, she's starting to show possessiveness of. Gina Gershon's daughter in a way that Gina Gershon is getting suspicious about. Yeah. They get home and we hear the immortal line, hey, guess what? The animal show's on because they couldn't even come up with a fake name for a TV show. Uh, they go for a medical test and uh, Katie starts calling At it, the animal show? No, no. Uh, at the doctor's. Katie and Gina Gershon go and Katie starts calling it my baby. I love the fact that the doctor, Dr. Weissman, <laughs> who is uh, checking checking uh, Katie out? Is the only doctor in a who shows way. up. Not like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, He's like, not didn't like pull down his sunglasses <laughs> and look her up and down and go nice. <laughs> not that kind of checking her out. Yeah, while drop dead legs plays in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the only doctor that we ever see in the movie. Depending on no matter what the situation is, say for instance. Somebody gets stabbed by a knife later in the movie. That's the doctor we're going to see later on, <laughs> yeah. shaking his head sadly. Aside yeah. from that one lab tech doctor who get, does a DNA test for Gina Gershon and is introduced as her other best friend ever. No, he was he was one of the, he was at that he was at that immortal luncheon we were talking oh, about. That's who that was. The luncheon that was photographed You're and placed right. in a frame. I totally didn't even recognize him because he's fleetingly. His name's like Brian or something. No wait, <laughs> Brian, Brian is. <laughs> Why did they name both characters Brian? Uh, it's a real double life of Veronique situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, during the test, Katie has a flashback in which she's told by another doctor, and Katie, it's brown, it's brown-wigged Katie, is told that she has an infection that spreads, she can no longer produce any eggs, and she wakes up screaming, much like the movie, I Wake Up Screaming. And uh, Gina Gershon is... Realistically did, weirded did you, out by the Did you fact. write that reference down in your notes? No, I did okay. not. Uh, but Gina Gershon says the doctor, that was weird, right? When she woke up screaming from that test <laughs> and asked it's for like, no, that's very normal. Uh, that No, the way I do this test, it's very painful. <laughs> uh, and it brings up bad memories. Uh, she asks for a prescription for a sedative for Katie. Uh, now, Dan, there hasn't been a lot of Nicolas Cage in this movie so far. What do you take that to mean? <laughs> uh, I think that they probably gave him, uh, you know, enough money to pay like half of the property taxes on one of his castles, <laughs> but not enough to keep him in the movie any longer than now, that. When we watched Unforgettable, which again is the reverse of this movie. We, we talked did? To, we, oh yeah. boy. We talked about how much we hated the husband in that movie. And it hurt me a little bit that Nicolas Cage in this movie is that husband. Yeah. He's like a motorcycle riding doctor who's Equally never around his family. Equally <laughs> young. And, uh, Equally a stud. <laughs> uh, who's never around for his family and will soon immediately take a stranger's point of view or side against his own wife. And I uh-huh. was like, Nick, don't do it. But I also realized, I don't know if there's a single scene of Nicolas Cage talking to another man in this movie. So I think this movie fails the reverse Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> It's too bad. I yeah, don't know. no, it's it's true. Which I guess we called what the Glenn Bechdel test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So men's rights activists get get on this movie. Jesus it really Christ. didn't actually. The, mo- the men don't have interior lives that allow them to oh, be independent no. from the women. <laughs> I think you're misrepresenting us, Elliot. <laughs> Guys, look. Let's just say. I'm all for women not being sexually assaulted, but I think the pendulum swung a little too far, don't <laughs> oh, you? Boy. Oh, oh no. That's my favorite thing to be horrified at at the moment. Is like. Hey, enough's enough. We rounded up a couple bad guys, but now someone's not allowed to force a woman to kiss them in a professional situation? <laughs> like, yeah, you're right, dude, they're not. Like, 
someone's not allowed to compliment somebody? Well, not that way. If nobody was forcibly kissing anyone, nobody would ever be born because nobody would ever go out on dates. It's like there are all these guys who are like, now, who am I going to give my hugs to when I'm at the office? I got all these hugs I got really strong. I've got so much love to give. (laughs) Don't you understand it hurts me inside? That is a lot of nerds who end up having fixations on, on friends that they have crushes on, and they're like, don't you understand how much I love you? And it's not fair of you to not love me back. And it's like, dude, just come on. Like, stop, stop talking to Deadpool, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's a character. He'll never love you. You (laughs) You're not a chimichanga. (laughs) You should have left these feelings of resentment behind in middle school. If you had them at all. Like, yeah, it's like they grow up anyway. Uh, it's very hard for a lot of guys to grow up because society rewards them for not doing so. But anyway, yeah. Katie finishes the amazing African- It's only like 90% of entertainment is directed to them. <laughs> and almost the same number of jobs and just all culture, not even entertainment, all culture of all time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Katie finishes the amazing African Savannah mural she's painting in the daughter's room. She's now started dressing the two girls alike, and the girls claim that she said they were sisters. Uh, this... And by this point, it, I was like, yeah, this is the opposite of Unforgettable. And I really wish there was some kind of what? Flophouse Cinematic <laughs> I wish there was some kind of Flophouse Cinematic Universe so that Catherine Heigl could go up against Katie, since they also both walk onto knives at different points in the movie. <laughs> yeah. but, like, but let's get to that later. Uh, Gina Gershon shows up to find that Katie is dyeing her daughter's hair blonde. Turns out they both naturally have dark hair, which we know is not true because we saw they need to wear wigs to get Maybe that dark hair. Maybe it was naturally dark under the wig. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, double blind. <laughs> and, uh, and Gina Gershon says, oh, I'm not taking maternity leave for this new baby. I'm just going to hire a new nanny. And Katie is offended by this. Uh, detail in this dinner scene where they discuss this, there's a huge platter of fried chicken on the table, which nobody takes anything from. It was very distracting to me. (laughs) The whole time I just wanted to be like, if you guys aren't going to eat that, can I have that platter of fried chicken? Yeah, I think uh, Gina Gershon angrily takes the plates into the kitchen and they're like piled high with fried chicken and corn. Uneaten fried chicken. Untouched. Yeah, and uh, Gina Gershon says, no, I want to go back to work. And and Katie's like, you're going to have a stranger watch your child? Nicholas Cage, of course, takes Katie's side. Of yeah, the this argument. is the weirdest part. Nicholas Cage taking Katie's side. Like later on, when uh, Katie is gaslighting everyone and like making it look like uh, Gina Gershon has a drug problem, mm-hmm. I kind of understand where Nicholas Cage is coming from because he's like, "Look, you're spiraling out of control." Like he, it's not like he's like totally unsympathetic. He's just like, he's like, "Look, you had look, a problem had before. A problem. And I'm worried that you have that problem." Yeah, now. but here but there's here, no reason. Yeah, yeah, he should be like, "Yeah, she's." Taking, she's not taking maternity leave. So we're gonna have a. I mean, the correct response for him would be to like, be like, back off of my wife, dude. Exactly. Like, she needs more than her home life. Anyway, I'm I get more than my home life, and she should have the same thing because we're partners, asshole. But thank you for carrying our child to term. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's not doing. He's like, uh, on <laughs> Don't want to. I know that if she happens to see a deformed a deformed person, the baby will be deformed because I'm a medieval doctor. So if you upset her, the baby might come out as I don't know a demon of upset. some kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gina Gershon's so upset she almost takes one of the sedative pills, but doesn't and throws them out. But Katie sees her throwing the pills out and assumes the worst. Bath time! Time for Katie to have a bath time flashback. Uh, She's dark-haired again, painting yet another of the same mural. She hears a baby crying. We see that the mother of that baby is just lying in the bathtub for 
the the other gratuitous nudity in the film. Yeah. Where there's just a yep. naked woman in the bathtub. And this woman is named Tara. I mean, how else is she going to take a fucking bath, dude? Yeah, was she going to wear a wetsuit? Come on. <laughs> I mean, they could have framed it differently is the thing. Yeah, make it a bubble bath, right? Yeah, yeah, cover them up. Everybody loves that shit. But uh, Katie runs in. She says, how can you just have a bath while your child is crying? Which, you know what? I kind of sympathize with both sides on this because you do think she should get out and come for that ch- baby. But on the other hand... I've dealt with crying babies. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> but on the other hand, a baby, woman should not be murdered. For I know nothing <laughs> yeah. bad's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, also weird to call somebody out on that when you want, like storm into the bathroom well, with them. It's also weird that actually, you know what? It's not something at all because the woman in the bathroom would be like, "You're the nanny. I'm paying you to take care of this. I need mm-hmm. a moment to take a bath. Can you go take care of my child like I'm paying you to do?" And Katie does not say like, "I'll go see the baby." Instead, she takes the woman's head, bangs against the tub, and and then yep. drowns her. Because we now know her M.O., which is hitting people in the head with something and then drowning them. Yeah. That's how she kills all of her victims. That's why she carries a pail of water around with her everywhere she goes. <laughs> a bar, just in a, case a she, she kills a someone. Pail of water. Poseidon's daughter, they call her. <laughs> uh, she's the Jack LaLanne Neptune killer. Uh, so she puts on a locket with the little baby's name, which is Maddie. And now we learn, oh, when she was running away in the beginning, she wasn't the wife running away from an abusive husband. No, no, no. She killed that mother and then killed the father. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. uh, I mean, that like you realize that before that happened, right? Yes. This just makes it clear. Like, you know that she wasn't real. I mean, the only time I thought that she was running away from an abusive husband was literally watching the opening scene. Yeah. And everything after that made it clear, oh, no, she's a crazy person. Yeah, there was a brief moment where I was worried they were going to be like, Look, she's crazy. That's why she killed her husband. What a bitch. But luckily they didn't do that. No, she's merely crazy because once women have children, they become insanely attached to the point of psychotic madness. No, so you're saying it wasn't misogynistic in one way. It was misogynistic in another way. Exactly. Exactly in that way. And frankly, even though Gina Gershon is is the good guy in the movie, I still think the movie is judging her for... One, not being able to carry a child to term on her own. Mm. And two, for having a professional career. It's like, look, ladies. Yeah, her weaknesses brought this demon into their house. Exactly. Yeah. If you could be a mom, you wouldn't have a monster in your house. Or a momster, <clears throat> if you will. Which is I a won't. monster mom. I won't. <laughs> oh, you won't? Okay, nope. then retract it. <laughs> All right, just drag that to the trash can in my brain and delete. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and unplug the computer. And Throw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Katie thinks that Gina Gershon's taking drugs. Uh, and Gina Gershon starts snooping around the, the guest house and finds a bunch of baby books with crazy person notes in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie is already really attached to this fetus that's in her. And she finds a picture I mean, of... Physically, she's attached to it, right? Uh, yeah, yes, like, by an umbilical cord. Yeah. Okay, there's like a bunch of uh, cables and stuff, right? We, we <laughs> yeah. covered that. Yeah, cables. Cables up, yeah just yeah. like being in a Matrix pod. Yeah. yeah, the umbilical cord's the original cable. <laughs> yeah, you know that the video for Closer, where the guy is kind of floating around in space with that, the that guy. Attached, uh, Trent Reznor? <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, that's basically what it's like inside a woman's body, including having a little piano that you can play. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Gina Gershon goes to sleuth on the computer until she literally falls asleep with the computer in her lap. Nicolas Cage wakes her up, looks at what she was looking at, a real invasion of her privacy. Uh, and Katie, when she gets home, notices her books are askew. Someone's been a snooping. Uh, oh, and Gina Gershon's research is that she finds... And she sees, like, blood on the windowsill, right? Yes, because... Uh, uh, well, not this time, right? Because oh. Gina Gershon just walked in the open door. <laughs> 
Or maybe, no, maybe... The, am- the amount of attention we're paying to the specific plot points in this movie is terrifying. Anyway, the point is, Jane Gershon does a bunch of research on evil surrogates, catches Katie calling herself Mama to their daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and conf- they confront each other, and and Katie accuses her of feeling guilty about being a bad mom. Oblivious Nicholas Cage just wanders in to reveal that, uh, hey, we've got a present for you. She painted another mural for our new son, and it has the name Gabriel on it, because Katie and I named the baby, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But now Gina Gershon looks like a crazy addict to her husband and mother-in-law. And I don't, this is not, was this when they have the surprise uh, baby shower? No, that was, wasn't that later after, uh, after she gets doped? Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, But everyone thinks she's crazy, and she just keeps saying to Katie... She thinks Katie killed Linda. She was going, answer this one question. Answer this one question. She can't answer this one question. Uh, and Katie pretends to have pregnancy pains to get out of the situation. And Nicholas Cage turns to his wife and says, you put our baby's life at risk by accusing her of being a murderer. Being a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage says, I want you to give me a urine sample so that you can prove to me that you're not on drugs. And, uh, and you have to apologize to Katie. Anyway, long story short, more snooping. It's so fucking weird that it, like her husband is t- treating her like she's a McDonald's employee. <laughs> yeah. well, he, and he just say, get back to the fryer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your break's over. <laughs> Make this, wear this paper hat. I mean, part of the issue is that she's taking, she's not taking enough breaks. Yeah, she's you know? working too mm-hmm. hard. You yeah. know what? Some people are hardly working. Instead of working hard, she should be one of those people. <laughs> one of these days she's got to get organized. But you know what? Hang in there, Gina Gershon. Because <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> but you don't have to be crazy to accuse your nanny of being a murderer, but it helps. No. Anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. Things. And this is when Gina Gershon breaks into the guest house because Katie's locked the door and she cuts her hand on the window. Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. She does some very slow snooping mm-hmm. and finds out that the head of the surrogate company also died under mysterious circumstances. Boat accident. <laughs> it was funny. She calls up the surrogate company to ask to speak to them, and the secretary goes, oh, no, she died. It was ruled a suicide. You sound like you don't believe her. No, she loved life. <laughs> and it's she so lived like, to laugh. <laughs> it's, it is, the movie is such is so spoon-feeding clues at this point that I think it's so funny and so unprofessional for the secretary to say that. I don't know. that She, she also didn't give out any information about past donors. No, that's true. Yeah, she can't do that. Nor did she give out information about who painted the lovely uh, mural ap- yeah. that's in the video that the surrogate ha- ahead is it? The website has yet to be updated. They haven't yet taken down the video with the now dead woman in it. And behind it's her a way a to mural. keep her kind of keep her spirit alive. Um, yeah. Behind her is a mural that was clearly painted by Katie because it's the same damn mural, the mm-hmm. same African savanna with the same tree. But what I like about it is... She's uh, trying to get it right. Is Let's say that... Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. say uh, Gina Gershon is just calling up... That's, she, you throw out the first pancake or two, Elliot. <laughs> I mean, you know, was it Monet who did the haystacks? Who did so many haystacks? Yeah, Monet was talking about pancakes. Throw out the first couple. <laughs> I mean, there's... there. Yes, okay. Artists often become fixated on one object or, th- or subject for their art. Yeah, like, Woody Allen, on. for instance. Yeah, Woody Allen is fixated on how he is amazingly able to get away with having <laughs> sex with younger women uh, but and death. <coughs> but at least you find some variations within that theme. I mean, yeah. come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, at right. least paint a different tree. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the pieces are all falling into place. Katie has a... 
Is, I think, and I think the surrogate woman was the woman that was there when Katie learned that she can no longer produce eggs, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, they decide, I'm going to do a DNA, or Gina Gershon decides, I'm going to do a DNA test on Katie to see <clears> if <throat> she and my daughter have the same DNA. But at the same time, Katie, while she is snooping to try to get Katie's DNA, Katie grinds up sedative pills and puts them in Gina Gershon's carrot juice. They are always drinking carrot juice in this movie. Mm-hmm. Lots of carrot juice. Gives her a thermos full of carrot juice to take to the office. Well, that explains her magical eyesight, <laughs> which is a huge plot point. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Good point. Have you guys now? And why there, she's being followed by rabbits all over the place. <laughs> they can smell it on her. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever drank carrot juice? Uh, I've had carrot juice in other juices. It's not the question I asked you, Dan. <laughs> no, I've never had. I didn't straight. say you ever drank V8. I said you ever drank carrot juice. <laughs> I've never had straight carrot juice. I don't. I don't, I don't think so. No, me either. Yet everybody in this movie, carrot juice is the most natural thing in the world to drink. Why would we juice anything else when we can juice a carrot? Uh-huh. The juiciest <laughs> vegetable. You just squeeze a carrot and feel that sweet juice yeah. running out. Yeah, you, you cut the top off and squeeze it into your mouth. <laughs> makes you want to suck out all that juice. <laughs> that juicy carrot. Yeah, watching this movie, I suffered from a little bit of culture shock because I'm like, everything about it reminds me of the place that I live, except one little thing is off. Instead of drinking water, they're always drinking juice out of carrots. Yeah, this is an alternate reality. Yeah, where they walk up to a vending machine and it only serves carrot juice. (laughs) You're like, this isn't Atlanta, not the Atlanta I remember. (laughs) They're like, they're like, uh, you know what? We're hurting the environment with all this bottled carrot juice that we're selling. (laughs) All these bottles are just piling up. When it comes in its unnatural vessel, the skin of a carrot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't carry around wine skins. They carry on carrot skins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and very thin sheets of paper are also called carrot skin instead of yeah, I think, skin. Uh, or a I, fool's cap. It's I called think, carrot cap. I think they were they were watching uh, the little girls play Mario Kart and in this world instead of slipping out a banana peel, <laughs> your cart spins out of control if you run over a carrot peel. Uh, what I loved is that you made it a Mario Kart thing as if that was where banana peels being slipped on came from. Whereas I thought you were going to say that they were watching the play Mario and instead of a mushroom making him bigger, a carrot makes him bigger. <laughs> and it's the carrot kingdom and Toad has a carrot on his head. Which looks just like a clam. No, that'd be crazy. (laughs) That'd be crazy, Elliot. This is some kind of strange world where pizzas are not made with tomato sauce, (laughs) but with carrot sauce. (laughs) Dan, give us another carrot thing. Uh, Carrots are used to stab people? (sighs) I guess this bit just died. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Way to kill it, Dan. I almost think you did that on purpose. Well, I think that was going on a little long. (laughs) Dan is to the carrot bit as President Trump is to Obamacare. You're deliberately sabotaging the bit, Dan. (laughs) By refusing to provide the funds, or in this case, jokes, that it needs to survive. Mm-hmm. I apologize. But Dan, our carrot joke exchanges need federal intervention. If they're going to support it, you're taking away carrot joke care I, for millions of Americans. I promise to pull us out of the trans-carrot partnership. So <laughs> No, Dan. That's going to leave China as the only major carrot trading partner in Asia, in the Pacific. <laughs> they've, been, they've been biting our carrots for too long. Uh, okay, you saved it. All right, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Gina Gershon drops off the DNA test and then passes out in her car on the least busy street in the history of streets. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she like pulled into a parking lot and fell asleep. <laughs> and we've all been there, you know. It's yeah. tough. Come it's on. a tough we've life. We've all had to sleep off a of juice every yeah. now and then. <laughs> she suspects the carrot juice, and she's right. That's when right she walks home to a huge surprise baby shower. 
full of people we've never seen before, which I mean is fair. A movie about I mean, my it's life good that she slept exactly long enough to make it to the baby shower. And it's also at this point, it's like Nicolas Cage. I think part of the problem here is you're not letting your wife be a part of this baby's life. She wasn't there to name it. She wasn't there to organize the baby shower. Yeah. Who would throw a surprise baby shower? Listeners, if you've ever attended or thrown or been the subject of a surprise baby shower, let me know. Because the last thing you want to do for a woman who's that far along in pregnancy, give her a big surprise that's going to throw her into, into some kind of shock <laughs> of some kind. The same way that it's like, hey, guy with a heart attack, we're going to throw you a surprise birthday party. We're just going to scream at you all of a sudden. Do you think that Nicolas Cage is like, well, if I kind of started off at like a really irritating level, she'll let me get away with lesser infractions later on. But like what, what, what is he building up to? He maybe wants to buy a second motorcycle. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> well, what I do like is when she shows up and she starts freaking out and accusing Katie of uh, drugging her, Nicholas Cage <laughs> kicks everybody in the party out. Goes, All right, get out of here. Let's go. Parties. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't do anything. It's not their fault. No. And although, uh, again, What's gonna What's gonna go uneaten? I have to assume another huge platter of fried chicken laid yeah. out for their guests. No, I thought you were gonna yeah. say fried carrots. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy, Dan. Why would he say that? <laughs> Why would I possibly say that? That's true. What in my past behavior has led you to believe I would ever make a comment like that about carrots of all things? <laughs> <laughs> a vegetable, which I don't have to make the case here, is not something you would regularly juice all the time. <laughs> um, she Anyway, uh, he throws everyone out. He says, you're on drugs. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And that just remind me early on when they were uh, when they were first like hanging out with Katie and they were talking about her family and she's like I never I never knew my father my mother was addicted to drugs and that was like the way she did, says it felt like somebody who doesn't actually understands what drugs are <laughs> like no, I don't know like it felt like something where she would have been slightly more specific but I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm just making stuff no, up you know, maybe drugs, I'm on man. drugs drugs. <laughs> Uh, all of the drugs, I guess. Sure, She's addicted I mean, to all of them: heroin, ecstasy, penicillin, mm-hmm. all the drugs. Those herbal supplements you use. Oh yeah, St. John's get, a, get an erection. <laughs> uh, what would those be like, what? Dan? I don't know. Made you... out of carrots or something? <laughs> it right. is one of the more phallic of the vegetables. <laughs> That's not true. There's a shit ton of phallic vegetables. Mm-hmm. You got a parsnip. You got a parsnip zucchini. was the first one you went to, not cucumber. <laughs> cucumber. I went to zucchini too. That's zucchini is pretty close. Eggplant. Mm-hmm. Summer squash. Summer squash. What about winter squash? Winter squash. They're too fat. Okay, oh, like a butternut <laughs> squash doesn't more, look enough like yeah, a penis. Yeah, it's more of a chode. Your penis doesn't have a classic what? butternut squash hourglass shape. <laughs> Interesting learning about Dan's penis that it's not shaped like a butternut squash. Bro- okay? Broccolini. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what? Yeah, big head of cauliflower. Yeah, big, yeah. Big, big head on it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, that's gross. Um, uh, then Nicolas Cage is like, I'm not in the next scene. I'm out of here and walks away. <laughs> and Katie reveals everything to Gina Gershon. She felt betrayed that all these women who sacrificed nothing to get their babies, where she sacrificed everything, then hired some other stranger to watch them. And Gina Gershon's like, stay away from me, I have a knife in my hand. And, classic move, Katie walks into the knife and stabs herself, just like in Unforgettable, and then starts banging her head against the counter. Yeah. And there's a struggle, and Gina Gershon gets stabbed, and uh, Nicolas Cage is like, oh no, and they're both in the hospital, and Nicolas Cage gets the DNA results, yeah. and she says, he says to Katie, and, and they and they say there's bad news about Gina Gershon. Uh, I, I'm assuming that there was a scene that was cut for time where the doctor's like, 
I think something's up with Katie. And Nicholas Cage is like, that's impossible. My wife stabbed her and she hit her head a bunch of times. And, he, <laughs> and the doctor's like, have you ever seen that scene in Fight Club where Edward Norton does that to well, get thought, out of getting fired? I thought you didn't say, have you ever seen that scene in Unforgettable? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Wait, what? What movie? And Nicholas Cage is like, I don't remember if I saw that or not. Uh, she, and gets the news that, and Nicholas Cage tells Katie that Gina Gershon has died. Of her stab wounds. I mean, I think he just walks up and shakes his head. Oh, right. That's right, all right. he does. And you're like, I don't know what that means in the context of what happens later. It's very yeah. calmly revealed that Katie has had. Yeah, it's like Nicholas Cage is like, I can't lie. <laughs> like, there's like he has done. He's made a vow to himself that he'll never lie. Never. So he'll, he has to just do this misdirection. <laughs> and uh, they say, Katie, you have to have a C-section right now. And she says. Your wife's with your wife away now. I love you, and she forces a kiss on him, President Trump style, and or and uh, the or I don't know Al Franken style, whatever, whatever way they do it. And uh, he's like, oh, so disgusted. Cut to after delivery, he <coughs> takes he takes Katie to see Baby Gabriel in the in the baby holding pen, mm-hmm. and I, I've been where, my where all the babies one, fight I each don't other. Don't remember what the name is called. <laughs> yeah, where her, Gabriel has already beaten up the biggest baby to establish dominance, as yeah. is the advice you get. And he says, she's like, oh, he's beautiful. And take a look. I want you to see it because it's your last. And he walks into the nursery and holds the baby. But Katie's locked out. And Gina Gershon walks in. She wasn't dead. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like the mouse has trapped the cat. Trap sprung. I love that Nicholas Cage. And then Katie's eyeballs explode. And you're like, (laughs) she'll never see anything again. I don't Like, Nicholas Cage is, for some reason, like, I had to punk you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no real point for for Maximum vengeance, dude. (laughs) I guess. Well, of course. (laughs) I just give her give you a little taste of your own medicine because I'm a doctor of surprises. <laughs> I'm a doctor of revenge. I've got an MD in turning about being fair play, and I got a PhD in what goes around comes around. Okay, mm-hmm. we get it, Nick. We understand. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll keep I've going. got a I master's in best serve cold, <laughs> <laughs> and, got, and then I've got a second master in. Payback's a bitch. <laughs> oh, what a double master. And I'm probably t- in, he's I'm, probably still paying off them student loans. I am, and then I minored in karma. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I minored in pottery. <laughs> <laughs> and I did take a Turkish cooking class, which I didn't get. Like, it's, it's not an official degree, but yeah. it's like a certificate yeah. they print out for you. There's a picture of tabbouleh or something on it. What do they eat in Turkey? I don't remember. I took the class, but I honestly, I was studying for my my master's degree in paybacks a bitch, so I didn't wasn't yeah. really focusing on the Turkish cooking. Anyway, so makes you more re- well rounded. The point person, is, yeah. you got burnt, and you'll never see the baby again. <laughs> and Katie's like, no, no. And the police show up, and the next we see of Katie, she's <clears> in an insane <throat> asylum. I have to assume Arkham. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's, I'll escape and get the babies, <laughs> all of the babies. She's now Baby Girl, the uh, the baby themed Batman villain. She's going to team up with Calendar Man and Killer Croc. What's going to happen to her daughter? Uh, Oh, she she gets gets adopted adopted by by Nicolas Cage and Gina Gershon. I guess that's okay. And then next we cut to Nicolas Cage jogging home as we saw him doing in the beginning. And for a moment I was like, wait a minute. Did he just dream this whole movie while he was (laughs) jogging? Yeah. Like, if he he just walks in, he goes, honey, I had the craziest dream. It was... 
inconceivable. <laughs> cut to smash cut. <laughs> Nicolas Cage will return in inconceivable <laughs> to another jogging dream, but that doesn't happen. Instead, he walks in. Gina Gershon is taking a nap with the two daughters and their son, Gabriel. They now have three kids. One of them they didn't even have to do anything for. Uh, and he gives, Well, I mean, they had to survive a killer. <laughs> and uh, G- gives Gina Gershon a locket with the pictures of all three of the kids. And she goes, oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And the movie leaves me wondering... Was that really a good enough, sorry, I didn't believe you when we had a killer nanny present? Like, as far as makeup. Yeah, he's still got to be paying for that shit. Yeah, like, remember, was it? I stopped by Zales, honey. (laughs) Whenever a basketball player cheats on his wife, he he buys her, like, a fancy, expensive ring. Like, does this locket make up for that? I don't know. It's not that pretty a locket. It is not. And the pictures he chose of the kids, not the best. To be honest, of the baby, I get it. It's hard to take a really good picture of a newborn baby. They're Uh weird looking. Yeah, there's only one master and Gettys, (laughs) but you have to travel to to a remote hideout. You gotta go to the top of a Himalayan mountain (laughs) to find her in her secluded studio, where she does strange and bizarre things with babies. To get those footages of them inside of watermelons or butternut squashes or other non-penis shaped plants. And Gettys, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. She's 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 at a a forge and she's hammering a costume for a baby. That makes yeah. it look like a baby look like a strawberry. They're like Ann Getty. And she turns and has a long beard. How'd you find me? <laughs> I told you I was done. I was done with all that. We need someone to take a picture of a baby dressed up as a little four-leaf clover. It's <laughs> to save the president's life. You're the only one who can do it. Yeah. Uh so now we do final judgments. Inconceivable. Whether this was a good bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie mm. kind of liked. Uh Stuart, what do you think? I think this movie verges on good bad at times. Um, it's probably closer to a bad bad, but I think there's some moments of good bad. So if you're like, if you're just thirsty for a good bad and you want to pop something in, this won't be the best thing. Hopefully, you'll have something else to fill out that double feature. Yeah, but it's it's pretty goofy. If you pop it in with some pals to watch it and laugh at the goofs. Uh, you won't have the greatest time of all time, but you won't have a bad time. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a lower level good bad. Yeah, no, I'll make it three marginal good bad. Uh, and I I I think I'm just a sucker for these like weird hand that rocks the cradle esque uh, domestic <coughs> thrillers. Wait, le- the movie about Orson Welles's play being shut down. Uh, that's the cradle will rock. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> yeah, hand that rocks the cradle. That's the one about. That's like another like a hand. No, I know it's the one nanny. about a killer nanny. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. You yeah, there it's they are if it's considering it's a situation that I don't know if it's ever happened. It seems inconceivable, <laughs> but also unforgettable. That <laughs> and maybe limitless, <laughs> but also ten thousand BC <laughs> and Jonah Hex. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones. We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind. But it's a funny show. But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it. But it's also like... 
<laughs> funny. It's funny. It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine. It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. Hey, Max Fun listeners, it's Jesse, the founder of MaximumFun.org. I have some pretty incredible holiday news for you. So you remember last year's Max Fun Drive? We offered pins for all of our shows to folks who donated. And we agreed to donate all of the net revenue from the pins to the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Well, I, just yesterday, had the chance to hand a giant check to a representative from the food bank. And you're not going to believe how much money you gave to give needy families food. Over $100,000, to be specific. That means nearly half a million meals for families who need food this year. I'm really proud of every single Maximum Fund donor who made this possible. It's a remarkable achievement, a beautiful thing. It completely obliterated my idea and expectation of what we might be able to do this year. So, as you head into 2018, please be proud of what this amazing community did for hungry families in the Los Angeles area where Max Fun is based. If you'd like to keep the love rolling, go to lafoodbank.org slash maximumfun. That's lafoodbank.org slash maximumfun, and you can make a tax-deductible donation there. Every dollar that you give means four meals for needy families. Thanks to all of you who support everything that we do, and thanks for your incredible contribution to folks who need it here in our hometown. Uh, we've got a couple of sponsors. Oh, the boy. House. Thanks, sponsors, for paying us money, and we'll talk about your products, and they're great. Including a new sponsor, and that's RX Bar. Support from the Flophouse comes in part from RX Bar, a whole food protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients. No halves. Uh, look, you know, you get these uh, these diet bars or these like protein bars that have got a bunch of crap in them, and you don't know what it is, and they've got like a huge number of calories. RX Bar, what it's got is three egg whites, two dates, six almonds, and a little bit of flavoring, and uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 we got some samples. I quite liked them. Uh, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. I had them. Oh, for... get out of here! You look great. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for that. I, <laughs> that sincere <laughs> uh, expression. But uh, I had these for breakfast one week. Uh, they were great. They come in eleven dish- d- delicious. Eleven we're different. Di- we're dishes. Put them on a dish. <laughs> Eleven <laughs> delicious I mean, it's flavor varieties. Take the time. Put it on a dish. Yeah, come on. It's the most important meal of the day. And if you got dietary restrictions, uh, RX bars are gluten free, soy free, and dairy free. I'll say that uh, at a show I worked at recently, the Fake News with Ted Nelms, uh, which premieres after this, before this episode comes out. So I don't. I guess it doesn't make sense to plug it. But uh, we had if a lot. If it's Comedy of, Central, they'll rerun it uh, over and over again. True. Uh, we had a lot of crap to eat and our one of our producers mike falvo who's a great guy he said you know what we're eating too much unhealthy stuff and he went out and got a bunch of boxes of rx bars and everybody started feeling better 
because they weren't so weighed down and feeling gross eating like Fritos all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Fritos for breakfast is crazy. Uh, no, they weren't for breakfast. It's just like for snacks around, you know. But would it be crazy? Man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining you eating him, like cereal <laughs> now. <laughs> Pour a little milk over there. M- yeah, but instead of milk, it's queso. <laughs> oh, okay. Frito, Cheerio. They have the same last name. Can't be that different. Yeah. Uh, that last our, name is O. <laughs> <laughs> that last name. Yeah. I'm Mr. O, and this is my wife, Mrs. O. Uh, I'm Cheery, and this is Freet. We're the O brothers. <laughs> this is, and of course, our our strange brother, Dorit. <laughs> uh, oh, no, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Cheat. No relation. <laughs> RX bars are great for lots of occasions, like breakfast on the go, like I had it, or a pre or post workout snack, or just a snack at work. Yeah, for twenty five percent off your first order. Visit rxbar.com slash flophouse and enter promo code flophouse at checkout. And uh, we're also sponsored by an old favorite, Mac Weldon. Oh, oh, wow. One of my favorites. I'm wearing Mac Weldon's right now, I think. I think I am too, actually. Let me Under yank Elliot's right. pants down. Let me see. Oh, yep, they're there. Yep. My testicles are cradled <laughs> so beautifully in this Mac Weldon underwear. So right. Uh, Mac Weldon. I have both the the freedom of movement and the airiness, but also I feel secure. Like I'm not going to fall out of them. Is that direct copy you're reading? No, this is just the way I think about oh, okay. Mac Weldon underwear. Uh, they're dedicated to making underwear, but also socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that look and feel great. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. And Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it. And they will still refund you, no questions asked. Here's how I would explain how happy I'm, how I feel when I'm wearing Mac Weldon underwear. Uh, I'm like a trapeze artist who is swinging free in the air, but I know that net's below me. So you <laughs> okay. know what? I'm not afraid. I'm just enjoying the exhilarating feeling of freedom of movement. You know, I'm like Brancusi's mm-hmm. bird in space. I'm just pure energy movement, and I don't have to worry about anything that I worry about with regular underpants. Normally, uh, yeah. Normally, you're you're sweating bullets. Normally, I'm sweating bullets, like the Megadeth song about the same of the same name, mm-hmm. which is about too tight underwear. Yeah, uh, I'm worried about my sperm count because uh-huh. it's like I don't want these. Th- There's a reason these things are in a sack that hangs below me because it shouldn't be too close to my body heat. Oh, okay, that's why the sperm exists. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was to gi- give people a natural weak point. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Is that every good creature designer has to have a weak point so not invincible. Yeah, yeah. I read that in Rick Baker's autobiography. And also just throughout the day that regular underpants, it just gets constricting, you know? But Mac Weldon's, all day it feels good. Uh, we got a special deal for listeners. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code FLOP. Do you think they didn't want me to use the word scrotum? In the, uh, in the ad. I mean, it's what we're talking about. <clears throat> I mean, they can't run away from what their product does. I mean, it's there to cradle your scrotum. That's okay. uh, the whole point, isn't it? Although maybe they created a product to cover up scrotums because they don't want people to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Weldon is like, I hate scrotums. I have to cover up Get all the scrotums in the world. <laughs> hideous. I mean, it is hideous, but. Yeah. What do we do next, Dan? As you uh, we got a jumbo drawn. Well, I, I thought I had time to look at my phone because uh, <laughs> Stuart was going to take <laughs> over. Because you didn't want to be engaged in the rest. In the okay, I'm looking yeah. up something for later in the show. Yep, Dan's over on Pornhub. <laughs> uh, so we got a jumbotron. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, enjoy cinematic failure. 
then check out Nathan Rabin's Happy Place. Oh, wonderful. It's author, former AV club, and the Dissolve staffer, and Flophouse superfan Nathan Rabin's online home and the new home of his formerly popular column, My World of Flops, and Nathan Rabin's Happy Cast, Nathan's new podcast with Clint Worthington. Plus lots of stuff. It's quite good. So please visit NathanRabin.com and subscribe to Nathan Rabin's Happy Cast on iTunes. It would not be an exaggeration to call Nathan Rabin a friend of the show. He's uh, been very good to us over the years. Yeah, wonderful. Written a lot of articles about the Flophouse. Uh, and I've been reading his articles not about the Flophouse for, <coughs> for I don't years know, and decade? years and years. Maybe. Yeah, and what, like, what was it, about two years ago that the Dissolve split up and... Like it, it, it generally, like it takes a lot of work for me to track down where all those writers Mm -hmm. are still, are still writing. And so it's nice of Nathan to put this out there so you can find (coughs) one of those writers. Yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. This is more than just a Jumbotron. Yeah. Uh, but other Jumbotrons, check out those too. But, uh, but this one especially. Uh, before we get into the next segment, Mm. I wanted to remind listeners, uh, that there's a new Flophouse comic book out. Oh, Whoa. yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that, what's going on there? What's the story there? Well, tell us about it, Stuart, because it's your comic. So it's the third in a series of three uh, short stories that we wrote. Um, on the theme of love. On the theme of love and romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and being that it's us, uh, L8s was about superheroes. <laughs> Dan is about his own natural loneliness, and uh, <laughs> and uh, mine is about a uh, a couple of adventurers in a fantasy world who kind of get set up on a little blind date, blind uh, quest, if you will. To, yeah, to go uh, to go exploring a dungeon, uh, and the art is all provided by the incredibly talented Kelsey Ricks. Yeah, that's great. Um, and. It, Covered by Tom Fowler and all the uh, like all the stories in this series, all of the money is going to uh, the uh, Unidos uh, disaster relief for Puerto Rico mm-hmm. um, that uh, the people that definitely still need a ton of help, even though you're not seeing about it on TV all the time. It's yeah. still there's it's, oh, sorry, they just I mean, they still need a lot of money. It's it, Puerto Rico is still in such bad shape and they so need our help. And the, for anyone who's listening to this who's American, those are fellow Americans who need us and are not getting the help that they deserve. And this is a small way that you can help and read a great story from Stuart. Thanks. Check it out at Flophouse.com. Flophousepodcast.com. Not Flophouse.com. That's something else. <laughs> we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Look, go to the Flophouse website, URL TBD, and, and you'll find the comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we turn... To everybody's second favorite part of the show, letters from listeners. What's the first part? Everyone's first favorite part of the show is the song that goes into letters. <laughs> People love it. It's their favorite part. Consistently topping the polls. Consistently everyone rolls all the way to the song when they get a new episode. They see the movie discussion and hit skip, 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 Is the song starting? No, skip, 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 skip. Let's skip it along to the song. To listen any other way would feel so wrong. Cause the song is the favorite part of the episode. It's that Flophouse Letters song. Flophouse Letters. Gonna read them right now in a minute. 
But first we'll have a song like the one from Mr. Belvedere, <laughs> just like this. You know, sometimes letters come to the flop house, but first you gotta sing a song about them, and then there's the letters for the flop house. Whatever happened to the regular Flophouse song? Now it sounds like the Flophouse song. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we just did this on the Fifty Shades Darker oh, yeah, episode right. that just got released. I flapped it's, myself. It's the same of. order. Of- <laughs> I certainly didn't do Mr. Belvedere then, did I? I think we did. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we have I do a the theme relatively song from dinosaurs, but there's no lyrics. We have a relatively limited <laughs> pool of <laughs> references here. Yeah. Um, okay, let me do a Flophouse Letters parody of the Odd Couple song. Do, 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 I've talked about this before, but there's something about, like, 70s sitcom music that just fucking bums me out so hardcore. It like a sad time. Like, Charlene will be like, oh, man, I'm kind of tired or down. I'm going to go to my happy place and watch some episodes of fucking Taxi. And oh, I'm the like, taxi theme is so sad. Yeah, and I'm like, no! <laughs> I think the last of those was maybe what the Cheers theme. Yeah, that's a pretty oh, sad yeah. song. It's pretty wistful. Uh, wistful for theme. another time, and like life's hard. Go with your drinking buddies, you bar fly. <laughs> the only time you're happy is when you're sucking down some booze. That's the lyrics, lyrics, right? Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Life is hard, so go with some drinking buddies, you bar fly. <laughs> You wanna go where you can drink yourself into a stupor. Dum 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 dum. And, and now they're all by the like the mess you made of your life. <laughs> now they're all like, they might be giant songs, right, guys? Yeah, everything's about tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Oh man, that song even great. that's like a twenty-year-old song. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they don't really do theme songs. It's like it'll be like, that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's Thirty Rock, then it's like. No, there's a lot of those, or it's like the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt one. Oh, well, that's Unbreakable. Yeah. But that's because the music's done by the same person. For oh, okay. Shows. Or yeah. it's like... The uh, incomparable Jeff Richmond, <laughs> Mr. Tina Fey. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> or like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has a new song each season. Yeah, those are true. great. Oh, I haven't watched the second season yet. Uh, you totally should. Aren't you like friends with her husband or something? Uh, we knew each other in college and then we interned at the daily show together. I, so you're not actually, friends is what you're saying. Now that I'm back in LA, I should get in touch with him. If anyone knows Dan Gregor, let him know. I need to get in touch with him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so let's do letters. Uh, I'm the guy, this is from Randall last name withheld. Randall, Randall Thor. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the dragon reborn. Randall, <laughs> Randall's Island. I'm the guy who wrote... Ad- yeah, Dan, Randall's Island. <laughs> God! I wish the listeners could see my eyes roll 480 degrees out of my head. Uh, I'm the guy who wrote asking what movie memorabilia would inspire them to break the bank, and I'm happy that Elliot was able to obtain a Gertie the Dinosaur, and I hope he is able to trog gesunder hate. Ask him what that means. I don't know. Do you know, Stuart? <laughs> no. All right. I mean, it's it's probably it sounds Yiddishy, so then maybe that's why he's asking. In which case, Randall, thank you for making it possible for me to get that dirty, but I don't appreciate the stereotyping <laughs> about my native language. I'm an American and I speak English. Uh, I have another question. Also, could be it sounds kind of Dutch too. I mean, it also could be trollish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have another question, and I've been thinking about this since listening to the October scary movie episode. A long time ago. As I'm getting older, I'm finding fewer horror movies that scare me. Oh. Excluding documentaries, what is a movie that legitimately scares you? Are they horror movies or more realistic slash dramatic movies? Is The Shining or Alien still able to scare you upon repeat viewings? 
I did watch a Korean movie called The Wailing, and I found that very scary. Oh, Thanks, yeah, and I sincerely that. hope you all have a great new year. Randall, last name withheld. Uh, yeah, movies still scare me all the time. It follows. Scared me like crazy. Really? Yeah. I I liked It Follows, but I found it. I just I more took pleasure in the you atmosphere. Identi- than you I identified had. more with the following creature. <laughs> than the kids. That's right. <laughs> Why won't you give him a chance? Stop running. I guess that scene where they were like, it was trying to get into the like the barn or whatever it was. I found that very. Oh, tense. that's one of my least. That's one of the least. Really? There's I I find the uh like I have a lot of bad dreams that involve being chased by a thing that keeps going through. It cannot I cannot shake. So maybe that was it. It. it that's a primordial fear, I yeah. think, that it tapped into. That's weird. Most of my dreams lately are caused by the two cats that are wrestling around on top of me on the bed, <laughs> and they are very strange dreams. <laughs> I think the last movie that really scared me, this is a little while back now, it was The the Descent. That really fucked me up. Oh, you mean the it. movie where it is terrifying because they're trapped underground yeah. before monsters show exactly. up. Exactly. It actually gets less scary. Yeah, as soon as you see the monsters, you're like, please show me how to get out of here. Oh, good. It's- <laughs> Finally, I can ask for directions. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh, great. It's capable of sustaining life down here. That's nice. I do uh, a horror movie double feature every October, and uh, I usually pick like a fun horror movie. And then one year I picked The Descent, and everyone was horrified. It was not fun enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean,. I I find you know I'm I'm I think I'm a pretty easy audience with horror movies. I I kind of get scared easily. I like the book. It's because what uh, <laughs> bears out. Yeah. I uh, I think it's because I have a pretty active imagination. Hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean I think I think the scariest movie or uh, the scariest movie I saw this year was I feel more uh, like a difficult movie, and that was uh, that was Hounds of Love. Uh, which is probably going to, uh, I'm still trying to figure out my favorite movies of the year, but I feel like that was easily one of the most memorable experiences I had this year. For the top 10 list you're writing for Buzzfeed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey guys, uh, I just got hired by Buzzfeed to write one top 10 list. Uh, no, but I don't know. Like I can't help, but I like to make lists. I like to make lists. Yeah. Yeah. You're a regular high fidelity. Mm-hmm. That's me. I find that, yeah, it's, I find movies are creepy to me more than like, ah, scary. I mean, I'm clearly Jack Black in high fidelity. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're the nerdy guy the and Dan is guy. John Cusack. But, the, but I get to, I end up with, uh, what, Melissa Gilbert at the end? Probably, yeah. yeah. That's fine. I don't remember that movie that well. Yeah, that's what happens. But uh, the, I'm okay with that. The, uh, I think there's, there are movies like The Witch or, uh, uh-huh. or like Creep. Where I which, can't, wait, which one? There's a couple of creeps. Uh, the first one that the with the are you talking Duplass about with one. the Duplass one? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Duplass one. Yeah, not the not the TLC song. No, well, not, there's one where wait. there's a creature in the subways called. Oh creep. no, that not that one. The, the Duplass one. Yeah, that TLC song is fucking awesome. <laughs> but the uh, it's not scary though. It's like I'm not scared while watching the movie, but it's eerie enough that afterwards my imagination starts taking over, and I'll, I'm like I'll be lying in bed and just thinking like. Duplass gonna get me. Like Duplass is just gonna walk through that door right now, wearing that wolf mask, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty creepy movie. Lived up to the title. Mm-hmm. The titular creep mm-hmm. was a creep. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for the letter. The thanks, movie- Randall, and thanks for inspiring my th- uh, my you know new favorite object that I own. The next letter is from Eli. Last name withheld. Eli Lily. <laughs> <That's> yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Despite you guys being my favorite podcast, thanks. I'm not into movies at all. Uh, all right. My friend, however, is an aspiring. Uh, Wait, not into movies at all just means doesn't watch them ever. Like hates them. I, I mean, this is a conversation. Ask a letter. I don't ask, understand. Eli, ask Eli. Eli, what does that mean? What are you getting from? Uh, well, kind of change. <laughs> kind of TV is the new movies, so maybe he's also not into TV. Mm, that's true, and music is the new food. So <laughs> think about how does he I feel to about to music to survive? Yeah, now? and forty is the new twenty, oh, okay. which means that we need to eat a lot of. I guess so. Forty ounce now would only have twenty ounces in it, or is it the other way around? If you're drinking twenty, uh, we'll get to this later. Okay, yeah, Dan, the letter. So he doesn't like movies. Uh, yes, my friend, however, is an aspiring director who's actually made some pretty banging short films. With candlelight, with candle nights popping off, I was hoping you guys could give me a little insight into what to get her. Do you know any good books about directing or movies or really anything that isn't just like buy her a movie set? Do you buy movie sets? God, probably. What's, Please a, help what's me. a movie like the place they shoot a movie? I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> I'm so lost, and I just spent <laughs> half an hour desperately Googling every movie buzzword from your Did podcast. You drink your water? Do you drink out of that? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that's fine. A- anyway. All right. Well, with that water distraction <laughs> done. So I am so lost and just spent half an hour desperately Googling every movie buzzword from your podcast. Keep it real, Eli. Yep. That's the end of the- Yes. Uh, well, we'll her, get to that. Her favorite series is the Hobbit, Lord of the Ring movies, but she already has every single one and all of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Please save me. I wonder if so. There's a bunch of good movies about a bunch of good movies. There's a bunch of good books about making movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if if she hasn't read like Rebel Without a Camera, mm-hmm. the Robert Rodriguez movie about making El Mariachi on a super low budget, or mm-hmm. uh, there's movies about big budget movie making that are really good, like uh, The Devil's Candy about the making of um, of Bonfire of the Vanities. There's the or, famous book uh, When the Shooting Stops, The Cutting Begins about editing. Oh, by Ralph Rosenbaum. Yeah. yeah, that's actually, that's a great, that's a fantastic book. Sidney Lumet had a book called Making Movies, I mm-hmm. think, about his process of making movies. Like, uh, there's a bunch of good good books that are either about the making of specific movies and you can pick up lessons from it, or they're literally about, here's how you make a movie. I mean, Lloyd Kaufman's uh, book I've never read. Yeah, or the, it came from the video aisle, the Full Moon Pictures book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I like the two Mark Harris books, uh, Pictures at a Revolution and Five Came Back. There's uh, also there's a book called The Evil Dead Companion about the making of the Evil Dead movies that's I found surprisingly touching and that like is about how they how a bunch of friends got together and made those first two Evil Dead movies basically. Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah, Pictures of Revolution is really good. Five Came Back is really good. There's a movie there's a book called Final Cut that's really good that involves among other things. Uh, the Heaven's Gate debacle and how that screwed up that studio. There's the book The Studio by uh, was it Philip Gregory Dunn? Is that his name? Yeah, that's him. Uh, that where he just spent a year at 20th Century Fox in the <coughs> in the late 60s it and al- wrote about it. It also sounds like your friend wa- is an aspiring director who's already done some directing. Maybe your friend needs one of those giant director bullhorns. Yeah, or those, uh, yeah. Or those job jumpers. Yeah. yeah, or a big clapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A beret, here's what, yeah. A jodhpurs, a big bullhorn, a beret, uh-huh. and a, one, a folding chair. Not, yep. But not one that folds up like a regular folding chair. Folds sideways like a director's chair. Yeah, okay. Actually, if you got them a director's chair with their name on the back, that'd be a pretty sweet gift. That'd why be pretty they, awesome. Why do they all use those chairs? They're not the most comfortable chairs. They're very easy to move around and set up. Yeah. And you're constantly moving the chairs because you're constantly changing setups. That's true. Yeah. Well, that was not a funny answer, but <laughs> no, it's a real answer. Accurate. Very easy to move. And the people who move them get very frustrated if you try to move them yourself to save them trouble. <laughs> They're like, that's my job. Just let me do that. It's you a put un- it in union gig. 
probably. Yeah. It's an onion gig. <laughs> okay. Um, so I hope that those helped. That was a long list. And I hope that other people who are interested in maybe like movie books uh, <clears throat> got a little help from that too. Uh, this last one is from Doc Last Name Withheld. Doc Brown. Okay. <laughs> Marty, <laughs> we got to go back to the past. I love your, I love your podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's getting to be that wintry time of the year when I like to curl up by the fireplace and watch my favorite So Bad It's Good Christmas movie, Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever, starring Aubrey Plaza as the voice of Grumpy Cat. Some of the best casting ever. I like that it's not gender traditional. I think a lot of people assumed Grumpy Cat was a male cat. Yeah. My wife insists that the movie is so bad it's terrible and has begged me not to watch it again this year. <laughs> so what are some other options for bad, good Christmas movies? Alternately, are there any movies that would not necessarily be considered Christmas canon, but that really evoke the spirit or and true meaning of the season? Gremlins. Dan, yeah, no, that's don't it. start in on your Die Hard bullshit. No, Dan, <laughs> we all consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. He, I mean, he did say parentheses like Die Hard, and I omitted that from the letter just because I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah, because you want to be the only one telling everybody at the bar that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Uh, so anyway, Gremlins. Uh, kiss, yeah, kiss, Gremlins. bang, bang. Is that set at, I've never seen yeah, it. It's it's a, yeah, it's at Christmas. That's a great Christmas movie. Now, uh, Die Hard 2, that's a Christmas movie as well. <laughs> uh, uh, one part of The Thin Man is set at Christmas. Yeah. These are not so bad they're good. These are good movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those are non-traditional Christmas movies. Or like, you know uh, what? If you're Halloween looking... is a very non-traditional Christmas movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> set at Halloween. Uh, or like Born on, the, <laughs> Born on the 4th of July, if you're, non-traditional Christmas. Yeah. If you're looking for a, a bad, bad Christmas movie, you can just watch fucking A Christmas Story. Oh, wow. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a, not a good movie. With Ralphie and everything? Yeah, it's I don't a, like that movie. Oh, I like that movie. That's a good movie. Okay, whatever. Uh, we can agree to disagree on this one. Also by Bob Clark, you watch Black Christmas. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so one movie that is a good, bad a uh, Christmas movie that Hallie and I think you, Elliot, uh, introduced me to was Single Santa Seeking Mrs. Claus. Oh, yeah, I, that's uh, that's one of Hallie's favorite. Was starring Steve Gutenberg as Santa Claus's son. Yeah, and Crystal Bernard as the love interest. Yeah, who becomes Mrs. Claus by the second movie in which they're expecting a child. Oh, really? There's a sequel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to yeah, see that. Yeah, a sequel, you might call it if there were chipmunks in it, but they're not. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a very, and that, in fact, this gets me into my favorite type of Christmas movie. Look, let's just get one thing straight. I don't give a shit about Christmas. Uh-huh. Don't don't celebrate it. Don't. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't have a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And I have had a surprising number of conversations in the past few weeks with people who assume I'm going to be doing the rudiments of Christmas celebration. I'll be doing none of it. But I do find the concept of Santa Claus fascinating. And I love that there are a lot of movies about Santa Claus's extended family. Mm-hmm. There are so many movies about Santa Claus's kids. Many of them made for TV. All these people have played Santa Claus's children. Kelsey Grammer, Steve Gutenberg. Jenny McCarthy, Kathy Ireland, uh, what's his name uh, from, um, uh, what's that actor's name? Who's the older actor? He was on Mad Men for a couple season, seasons. Um, Brian Dolmer. Jared Harris. No, no, no. <laughs> no older than that. Um, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, there's also Angela Lansbury starting a movie about Mrs. Claus, where uh-huh. she steals the sleigh away and starts a labor movement uh, in, <laughs> in New York at the turn of the century. Uh, there's movies about, there's just like, there's so many movies about Santa Claus's family and kids. And so many of them involve the kid having to take on the role of Santa at some point. And they are, um, it's amazing that so many of them exist. I think they're hilarious. Yeah. So just dig into those. 
Just pop on single Santa seeking Seeksman's clothes or Mr. St. Nick with Kelsey Grammer or Santa Baby with Jenny McCarthy. There's two of those. Yeah. Stuart, do you have any thoughts on this or do you not? No, I uh, I mean, just watch Ernest Saves Christmas, dude. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That is one great gag in it that I remember where, like, the whole, like, the sleigh is going to go down and hit the ground. Talking about the, the joke in the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, air brakes. I love it. Yeah, and then he, yeah, he makes his typical mugging to the camera. Yeah, yeah. talking awesome. to Vern, <laughs> which is you, the viewer. <laughs> That's what that means. We're all Vern in Jim Barney's world. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so now we move on to the last segment of the show. Where this we, show is still going? <laughs> you were the one who had 50 pages of, <laughs> of notes on the movie. You uh, wrote more about this thing than I wrote in my like senior thesis. <laughs> uh, also about Inconceivable. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do we I got have, a D. This is where we give recommendations of movies. For definitely good. That you should watch. <laughs> Movie recommendations. Uh-huh. Yes. Dan? And do you have one, Dan? Sure. Uh, sure, he said, as if we just asked him out of the blue to recommend a movie. <laughs> as if he didn't know the segment was coming and then introduced it himself. <laughs> I didn't know necessarily that I was going to go first, but I'm go happy to. Have time. No, I have a movie. Uh, I would like to recommend The Verdict. Oh, that's a good movie. Uh, starring Paul Newman. Paul Newman. <laughs> I, I, I can see it. in Dan's head I'm going salad dressing popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Directed by Sidney Lumet. No. Oh yeah, it is. Um, and written by David Mamet. Um, and uh, it's a movie about an alcoholic uh, lawyer played by Paul Newman who you got it on the second try. <laughs> <laughs> who gets what should be a slam dunk settlement case um, about. A woman who goes in for a childbirth and the anesthesiologists kill her uh, accidentally. And uh, he normally is this ambulance chaser who would settle out of court. But he goes and he visits the woman and something kind of wakes up inside him. And he's like, no, this will not stand. I'm taking uh, the archdiocese. This is a Catholic uh, hospital to court. And he's going to go up against them. And he is going up against a well-stocked group of um, very hotshot lawyers with uh, James Mason at the head of them. And it's just a courtroom drama, but it's more of a character study about this alcoholic lawyer who is refining, respecting himself uh, through the job. And uh, it's very good and engrossing and great acting, obviously, from the cast. It looks beautiful, too. Yeah. Do you want to go or you want me to go? I'll go. Uh, I'm going to recommend a horror movie that came out this year called uh, Devil's Candy. Not the movie not, you... Not the not book, the book about Bonfire of the Vanities. Not that book. Okay. This is where we recommend movies. <laughs> so I'm recommending a movie <laughs> called Devil's Candy. Uh, it's directed by the guy... I think it's directed by the guy who directed that uh, Australian horror movie, The Loved Ones. Um, or Loved One, uh, which was about a girl and her father abducting the cutest boy in school and like putting him through like a nightmarish like prom date scenario uh and that that was a movie that i liked but was almost a little too uh like unpleasant for me Hmm. um and i think this movie uh that was a few years ago and i think the devil's candy's a little um i think it's a little easier to watch uh it's scary and it's shot very well. There's, um, it's a very pretty movie to watch. 
Uh, it's about a family that uh, a family who move into a like a farmhouse kind of uh, further away from where they're used to living. And the farmhouse has a dark past. The family that lived there before died. And uh, the the husband is an artist and he starts hearing uh, he starts hearing voices and uh, the and there's you know and they they have some financial pressures as well um <laughs> and then there's a there's a killer but uh, <laughs> the, uh, but the, the buried buried the lead <laughs> everyone's the, like I guess I'll see this movie about the financial pressures <laughs> this family is so spooky uh, so there's some great little performances in there specifically uh, there's a great performance from Pruitt Taylor Vince. Uh, who you would remember as like the big lo- hulking guy in anything. Yeah. The big hulking guy w- who can make his eye do kind of weird things. <laughs> I'm assuming that's him intentionally doing that or not. I don't know. I'm sorry, but he's great. Um, and he's great in this movie. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit of a difficult watch, but I thought it was pretty great and it was definitely scary. Sounds great. And I'm going to recommend, I'm going to go out on a limb and recommend an older film. Not something <laughs> I usually do. I'm not going to recommend The Furies, which is a Western from 1950 that Anthony Mann directed. Uh, he's known for a lot of great Westerns. And it's got Barbara Stanwyck in it. And it's got Walter Houston in it. And uh, it's about the, uh, the owner of a ranch called The Furies. And he's one of these guys who kind of runs his land like a feudal land baron, even issues his own money called TC's, because his name is TC. And... His daughter, Barbara Stanwyck, wants control of this ranch and will not stop any will, – will not let anyone get in her way of keeping control of it or getting control of it. And it's very soap opera-y, but it gets very, like, uh, intense at a lot of different points. Uh, it's a movie in which, not to give too much away, Barbara Stanwyck at one point throws a knife at another woman's face. Uh, but it's mainly about control over this ranch and – the men going in and out of Barbara Stanwyck's life and kind of how twisted you can become when you clearly have the ability to do something, but society has deemed that your role is will not let you do that thing. When you're brilliant at running a business and society has deemed you're a woman, you don't get to run a business. Uh, but it's also really soapy and good. I liked it a lot. The Furies, it's called. Okay, great. Three great recommendations. Yeah, why are you looking at me? You got a problem with my recommendation? No. <laughs> you did when you thought it was a book. Admit <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, there's a lot of great podcasts over at MaximumFun.org. Yeah, uh, and we just they just added a bunch a bunch of new ones, including a couple. Yeah, they just added. Uh, uh, they just added Switchblade Sisters. Yeah. that's hosted by uh-huh. April Wolf, and it puts, gives a female perspective to filmmaking, good. which is great. Um, and then they, and we also have Who Shot Ya, which Elliot was just a guest on. I was just a guest on actually uh, this past Friday. It came out, so uh, it'll be a couple weeks old by the time you hear this. But the episode of Who Shot Ya about the room and the disaster artist in bad movies, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun to record. Was it fun to record a show with people who know stuff and aren't just like goofy ding dongs? Uh, they were still fairly goofy, but it was it was nice to mention a movie and they'd be like, but "Ah, you, yes, ah, wait. yes." Instead to mention it and just have blank you, empty stares from YouTube. You, you told oh, me you that do, gorillas. You told me that we were like the funny ones and they were the the smart ones. Oh. I don't know. They're pretty funny oh. and smart. 
And better looking. They got oh, it all. Wow, they got it's the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, they, they really ran ran the numbers on that. But uh uh but yeah, Who Shot Just it's a real fun podcast, really good. They get have good movie discussions there. So if you like movies, definitely listen to that and Switchblade Sisters and lots of other Max Fun podcasts. Because you know what? It's not just about movies, it's about life. Mm-hmm. There's lots of good stuff out there. Life is about life. Uh anyway. Although the Muppets did say life's like a movie. Mm-hmm. Write your own ending. And it's also said, people's is people's. Wait, I can write my own ending to a movie? (laughs) The diner owner said that. Oh, right, right. Um, In the movie Diner, starring the Muppets. That's right. Uh, So thanks for listening. And for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen with my best buds, Stuart and Dan, on my favorite movie podcast, The Flophouse. Good night, everyone. Who shot you a great podcast. Okay. All right, let's start. Um, let's warm up. Papa be papo. Mama me mamu. <laughs> what are we in the future segment of uh, that fucking movie, that Wachowski Brothers movie? Uh, yeah, clouds. Yeah, yeah. Are we in the, are we in the future part where yeah. everybody talks like that? Everyone talks mama me mamu. <laughs> we need to we need to really build a futuristic language that's believable. What if everyone just goes mama me mamu? Okay, great. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.